This is Top Floor Episode 99. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 99. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. It's me, Susan Berry. I sometimes give talks and trainings about using LinkedIn for B2B marketing. And I did one recently for this group of founders of hospitality companies. So we talked about ways to use the algorithm to your advantage, both you know on your personal profile and on your business pages. And I gave some really broad strokes ideas for how to handle content, but we didn't get into a ton of detail about it. It seems like this is one of those areas that really plagues LinkedIn users the most. So I thought I would devote this solo episode to sharing some content ideas for three of the companies that were participating in that training, my, just for fun, my hope is that these ideas that they can use them maybe and that they will spur some of your own ideas and creativity and help you think of ways to share your message and your business and the value that you offer with the world of LinkedIn. Before I get into the specifics, I do want to level set some expectations. I am a B2B marketer, meaning business to business, like I help businesses sell to each other. So the suggestions that I have are for that. They're for business to business marketing. These ideas are not necessarily going to be good if you're like trying to sell a physical product or you're, you know, selling hotel rooms to individual travelers or anything like that. It's very B2B focused. And I also have to say that no matter how great the content is on your LinkedIn business page, it will never or at least very, very rarely perform as well as an individual personal profile. It doesn't matter. It's okay if that's the case. LinkedIn users are famously shy. I think I've probably said this in a 100 different episodes, but with something like 60% of the active users, like people who go on LinkedIn every single day, never do so much as like a post. So that doesn't mean they aren't reading the content. And I can tell you this from experience because people who I've never seen do take one action on any of my content will be like, Oh, I read your thing about XYZ and it was great. You are going to start to get feedback about whether your posts are resonating with people, whether you see that in likes or comments or reposts or any of that stuff or not. I follow some rules of thumb when I'm thinking about content. So I'll share those first. And then we will talk about sort of how those rules will play out for content for these three different companies that I just picked from my training that I did earlier this week. 
So rule number one is that LinkedIn content needs to share value rather than being a sales pitch. So you just need to ask yourself, what is in it for an audience member? And if the answer is like, who knows? (laughs) Or it's a chance to buy my product or nothing, then you may want to start over on that piece of content. A corollary to that is that LinkedIn posts do not require a call to action. I know you've seen this where somebody ends every single post with like, so if you want to buy XYZ thing, visit www.website.com. You do not need to do that. The opportunity for connection is already built into the platform. That's why you're on LinkedIn. But more important than that, this is not a sales conversation. Posting content is not participating in a sales conversation. This is about sharing value and key messages before you start a sales conversation. Because this is what is going to potentially make somebody want to have a sales conversation with you. Speaking of key messages or topics, I recommend that you pick three things and just talk about them over and over and over again, obviously in a different way, but that you're hitting those same three key points repeatedly so that that's what you become known for. Too many more than three and you aren't really known for anything in particular. You're sort of like trying to be everything to everyone, right? And fewer than three is just sometimes not enough. It'll make it tough to come up with enough ideas. So three is a good sweet spot for key messages or topic areas that we want to stick with. So that's what we're going to do next. We are going to take three of the businesses from my session the other day, which run the gamut from real estate to technology. And we will come up with three messages or topics that they can use to guide their content. First up is a workforce housing company. This business specializes in helping employers find temporary housing for like seasonal temporary disaster employees. Think like a place like Aspen, Colorado, where the people in the ski resorts who work, you know, on the lift or whatever probably can't afford to live in those giant mansions all year round. So they need seasonal housing because a lot of them also work in other parts of the country in the off season. So where do those people live? That is the problem that this company is trying to solve. My first idea for them is to focus on how providing employee housing benefits a company. Part of the reason for this is that the companies who already know how it benefits them most likely already have a solution. They most likely already have either a housing partner that they work with, they have like a dorm on property, whatever the case may be. Whereas a company that is on the fence 
or unclear about how this would benefit them is a good prospect for this business. So by answering the question, how would my company benefit from this, our workforce housing company is preparing new prospects for a sales conversation. So some of the things they could talk about are like labor shortages and how this can help with that, seasonal work, obviously, H-1B, J-1 visa programs. I think I got those right. (laughs) How it can build camaraderie quickly among a new team of coworkers, maybe. And I'm not sure about the facts on this, but maybe there are some tax benefits or payroll benefits to providing employee housing as part of a compensation package. These things could be a few sentences of text. They could be a short video of the founder just explaining the topic, like the way that I am explaining this right now. They could be a graphic, something else. But the message that they're communicating is all of the different ways a company could benefit from offering employee housing. The next topic on my list of suggestions is to highlight the potential obstacles to finding housing and how the workforce housing company can overcome them. So for instance, maybe a business thinks that their requirements are too small, like, you know, maybe they only need eight beds or something like that. And the company can say, we are open to any size requests from 8 to 800 or whatever. They can talk about how they are supplier agnostic, that they work with everyone from large apartment operators to people who own you know, three side-by-side rental units. They can make the point that the company doesn't have to manage multiple websites, relationships, types of forms, all that stuff. Like it's one place to go. And that they don't have to start over every year that, you know, they've already filled out all the forms and explained their needs. And so they're not starting from scratch each and every year. As I'm listing these, I do want to clarify that I mean, each of these things is a separate post and an individual piece of content around this larger key message. Remember, you do not have to close it out with any kind of call to action. Just explain it. Just explain how to do it. You might even want to give tips for how a company could do it themselves rather than calling on the workforce housing company. And that may sound counterintuitive, but think about it. You've got a new hotel HR leader starting out that needs a handful of seasonal employees to have a place to stay. And she learns from you how to secure housing for them in a relatively painless fashion. Five years from now, she's the regional vice president for a larger company. She can afford to outsource it. Who is she going to trust? Someone who helped her step-by-step with valuable content for free or some random company off the street. I think it's going to be the helpful company from LinkedIn, of course. My last idea is my favorite one for the workforce housing company. So for this company in particular, when I looked at their website, it came through loud and clear that they value creativity 
in the way that they approach what they're doing. So in the way that they source housing on behalf of their clients, they are it's very important to them that they communicate that they are creative and that you basically they'll stop at nothing, right? So my idea here for this third sort of topic of content is to really celebrate creativity as a value of the company by sharing examples from their clients and their potential clients of really creative things that they've done in their businesses. This may sound a little confusing, so let me give you an example. You could phrase it like this, like, we know that employers have to get creative in order to accommodate their talent needs, especially in this day and age. So we place creativity at the top of our list of company values. We like to celebrate creativity when we see it in the workplace. So we'll be highlighting creative solutions to workplace problems. And first up, we have this management company that was struggling to keep its select service hotels staffed with general managers. So the management company created an internal program to quickly train up GMs who would be ready on the bench as soon as they were needed. Something like that so that you're describing something creative that a client or potential client has done. You're giving other people great ideas. You're aligning your brand with creativity. I mean, it's just a win-win-win all the way around. This can be any sort of clever ideas, big, small, whatever the case. But the point is that you are providing some extra value to your customer. I mean, let's be real. The customer for a workplace housing company is the talent leader at a company. And what does a talent leader need but creative ideas for how to handle talent? So you're giving this person ideas. You're giving some online applause to businesses that are doing cool things. And you're positioning yourself as a resource for the very people that you want to reach as potential customers. The next company we are going to take a look at is an ESG index for hotels. I think that ESG is still a relatively new concept in the US hotel industry. So One of the three types of content I would suggest that they create first is to just explain in great detail what ESG means, what the letters stand for, what the commitments mean, what kind of companies are focused on ESG, and why this is even important to investors and shareholders. So for the record... ESG stands for Environment, Social, and Governance Policies. And most large corporations have specific goals in each category. Many global corporations have set specifically sustainability goals that line up with the Paris Agreement. And that's stuff like cutting emissions in half by 2030 and achieving net zero by 2050. Marriott has announced that they are in line with this goal, for example. In addition to the environmental piece, you could give 
examples of what the social and governance policies are that companies are looking for, touch on the history of ESG, where the terms come from, all of that good stuff. For the second topic or key message, I would outline all of the different ways that ESG comes up for travel buyers. For instance, travel is seen as a really big contributor to carbon emissions. So a lot of travel managers are tasked with understanding how their travel programs impact those larger ESG goals. There's also a big public relations component to this because... ESG goals and policies are designed to keep companies out of trouble. So for example, imagine that you're like an electric car company and you know, you're know you in Washington, D.C. lobbying for tax incentives for electric vehicles. And then at the same time, you are flying around in a private jet that's like you know, emitting 25% of the annual carbon of an average American. That is not a good look. So companies will have travel policies that make sure that they are practicing what they preach. My last key message point for this ESG index for hotels would be to touch on all the different benefits of having specifically a third-party certification rather than like self-reporting. So that can include things like the fear of greenwashing by companies and the desire to have a level playing field. It you know, making sure that everyone's measuring the same things in the same way. And I also think there's a lot of value in having it be a neutralizing element. An independent ESG score takes the subjectivity and the emotion out of it. And it just makes it about, you know, company, mission, shareholder value, etc. One last suggestion for this particular company for the ESG index for hotels, I would spend exactly zero time debating or engaging with anyone who wants to argue the premise of your company with you. As Stacey Abrams, who was a candidate for governor in my home state of Georgia, used to say, we aren't trying to convert people. We are trying to get the believers to go to church. So you're not trying to convince people. That is not the job of this business. The job of this business is to get the people who are already measuring ESG to use your index. And even though... I think there are probably still a few people who don't believe or at least pretend that they don't believe that our climate is in crisis. Even very conservative companies like Marriott have joined the pledge to be net zero on carbon emissions. So this is not a a fringe item and I just wouldn't engage in that debate. Okay, so my last business that I'm going to take a look at is a revenue management training company that particularly does training for non-revenue managers. Honestly, this business doesn't have a ton of key messages to communicate because the value proposition is extremely clear and well-defined. So instead of coming up with the messaging points, I just had fun thinking about 
different types of content that would highlight the fact that they offer this revenue management training for non-revenue managers in a fun and engaging way that doesn't sort of, I don't know, talk down to or talk around those folks and really engages them and potentially gets them to then say, hey, company, please hire this company to train us about revenue. So the first bucket of content that I would create is something like a glossary of the many acronyms and vocabulary words that pepper revenue management. And this is like where you share out, you know, one definition a week or whatever the cadence is that you pick. And you give definitions and examples thinking like your students who are not revenue people. So like how you would explain it to your grandma or whatever. I think this content could be particularly graphically fun and would benefit from like a really dramatic design approach. Like, I don't know, maybe giant font size or some other sort of eye-catching element. Next, and if this company does this, I will be participating. I would post revenue management challenges. So questions like, okay, the hotel was approaching a sold out weekend when all of a sudden 25% of occupied rooms canceled on Wednesday night. What is one action step you could take to recover? You pose that question and then offer a prize for the very best answer. And it can be totally subjective, like you pick the answer. You could even offer a discount on one of the on-demand training courses that this business sells for the best answer, something like that. You can jump into the comments and talk about why or why not a particular answer is a good one or have a debate with someone. And you could use the answers that you get to come up with future questions, like future pieces of content. For example, if you get an answer and it is not the best approach because someone doesn't understand something, you could then use that as a definition for later. All right. So last but not least, you could do a series of content on myths versus facts in revenue management. This would be like common misconceptions and how to reframe them. Again, you know, focused on the non-revenue person. So a common example of this would be often, not all, but often (laughs) the front desk thinks that the revenue management people oversell the hotel because then they just get to go home at the end of the day and don't have to deal with it. When it's actually, of course, because the hotel has cancellation and no-show trends that have to be accounted for in order to make revenue goals. So if you can explain that in a really crystal clear way, that could go a long way into, I don't know, world peace and harmony, among other things. (laughs) This would also, I think, be a good way to include some quotes from past students or testimonials like... I thought I'd have to really be into math to understand revenue strategy, but you don't, you know, something like that. (sighs) Okay, those are a lot of content ideas for B2B companies. I hope some of these made sense to you or gave you some ideas for your own LinkedIn content. 
If I have never asked before, I would love for you to follow both Top Floor and me on LinkedIn. We are hanging out there all the time. And you can see if I practice what I preach and just call me right on out on it. And if you'd like to hear about how I use analytics and LinkedIn, check out episode 59. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 99. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 